0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. So we're nearing the end of this two-year expanded vision called more. (laughs) And a lot has happened over these two years. Like we've experienced so much. We've seen so much. We've learned so much. I'll give you an example of two things that I learned over the last 24 months. Here's one. We never know what tomorrow will bring. We never know what tomorrow will bring. 24 months ago, if you would have said the word COVID to me, I wouldn't have had any idea what you were talking about. I'd never heard the word COVID before. 24 months ago, if we would have sat down and you would have started talking about things like lockdowns and quarantines and restrictions, I would have thought that you were talking about a different country in a different era. See, here's the truth. The last 24 months has shown us this, that we never know what tomorrow will bring. But here's the second thing I've learned, that God knows what tomorrow will bring, and God goes before us. God goes before us. Man, has that ever become plain to me? Like, I was thinking that there's a lot of people that would call Southside Church home today, and you weren't around 24 months ago. And maybe you don't know anything about this more expanded vision. Then there's others of us who you were around two years ago. You were around 24 months ago, but a lot has happened since then. And we might be getting a little bit foggy on what this whole thing is about. So let me try to refresh our memory. See, leading up to the more expanded vision, we really had this concept. We really had this feeling that God wanted us to really press into the concept of being for something instead of standing against things. That God really wanted us to be a church, a group of people that were defined by, known by what we were for. And so we said, we are for this city and we are for this world. But leading up to the more expanded vision, we wanted to get more specific. And we prayed about it, and we thought about it, and we talked about it, and we felt like God gave us three words. Help, hope, and home. That we wanted to be for bringing help, hope, and home to our city and to our world. And when we said home, what we meant was we wanted to bring a sense of connection, a sense of belonging, a sense of unconditional love. And when I think about those three H's, Help, hope, and home. I think about the way that God knows what tomorrow brings. God knew back then everything that we were going to go through. And he went before us. Because I'm telling you, it's been a crazy 24 months. Exclusively been a crazy last 14 months. And there's been times of confusion and times of distraction and times of uncertainty. And there were times that things all around us seemed to be breaking up. But those three H's were like a lifeline who are we? Well, wait a minute. We're about help, hope, and home. That's what we do. And, and, and during the time of COVID, we didn't really have a lot of time to stand around and, and be upset about the things that we couldn't do because we knew what we needed to do was think of things that we could do to bring help, hope, and home. What can we do? What can we do? What can we do to bring help, hope, and home? Those three H's are an example of God's faithfulness to us that we were never able, we were never allowed to forget who we really are, even through these challenging times. And so what I wanted to do is, as we kind of neared the end of this two-year expanded vision, is to kind of come at this from a bit of a different angle. And to refresh our memory again, and maybe to renew our passion again for for who we are, our DNA, and how God's using us to change this world. And so in this series, what I wanted to talk about is I wanted to talk about four C's. We're never going to lose those three H's. They're going to be part of our vernacular moving forward. But I wanted to talk about four C's just to kind of really drive home the point of who we are, our DNA, and how God's using us to change the world. So the first C that I talked about in this series is Christ that Jesus Christ did for you. Jesus Christ did for me what I could never have done for myself. He saved me. In other words, he brought me past my past. He forgave my sins. He's healing my hurts and he secured my eternity. But there's this gap, right? Between the past that he brought me past and the eternity that he secured for me. And that's my life. And God's really concerned about my life too. He wants to give me an abundant life, a a, a life of joy, a life of strength, a life of hope, a life of purpose, a life of vision. Psalm 40 says, he gives me a new song to sing that people will look at my life and say, that's the power of God. That's what God can do. So the first C is Christ. And the second C last week is connection. We talked about the fact that it's important that we're connected to God, obviously, but we also need to be connected to each other. And next week, I want to end this series off by talking about the fourth C, which is commitment, commitment. See, here's what I think. I think you got to stand for something in this world. You got to stand for something in this world or you're going to fall for anything. I think there's moments in our lives where we need to decide what do I stand for? And next week, I want us to come together. I got a story that you are not going to forget that I want to share with you. But I also want to invite us collectively to stand up, to stand for something, to decide who am I? What do I want my life to be defined by? What am I going to stand for? Next week is going to be a pivotal moment in our lives and in this church. See, what I really want to suggest is I want to suggest that the way that you end something like a two-year expanded vision is really important in light of the fact that every ending leads to a new beginning. I know that sounds a little bit like lyrics to an 80s pop song, but I really believe that, that every ending leads to a new beginning. And I think as we end this more expanded vision, we're stepping into a new beginning. We're stepping into a time of revival. Like I really believe that God wants to breathe life into you. I really believe that God wants to breathe refreshment into you. He wants to breathe strength into you. And then he wants to use you to breathe life and strength and hope into others. It's a time of revival and it's going to be amazing. And I think if we can end this more expanded vision with a generous flourish, it's going to set us up for a great new beginning. So today I want to talk about the third C and the third C is compassion. See, here's what I know about you and me. We don't want to be people who just talk about Jesus. We don't want to be people who just preach about Jesus We don't want to be people who just lecture about Jesus. We don't want to be people who just sing about Jesus. We want to be people who exemplify Jesus in the way that we live our lives. And one of the ways that you and me can do that is we can do that through compassion. If you read through the Bible from the beginning to the end, you will see that God wants his people to be people of compassion. And one of my favorite passages that really drives that home is found in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and the malicious talk, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. God wants his people To be people of compassion. There's a lot of things that a Christian could be known for. There's a lot of things that a church could be known for. If you want me to prove it to you, I'll give you an exercise to do this week. Find somebody in your life that has nothing to do with church. That knows nothing about Jesus. And just ask them this. Hey, when I say the word Christian, when I say the word church, what do you think of See, we decided a long time ago that we want one of the primary calling cards of this church to be compassion. We want to be people of compassion. And if you read through this powerful passage in Isaiah 58, what you see is that God gives us a list of things that we need to stop doing and a list of things that we need to start doing if we want to be people of compassion. But to really understand it, I want to take a half a step back and I want to give us a little bit of perspective. C.S. Lewis said... A long time ago, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. You don't have a soul. You are a soul and you have a body. Does that make sense? So you are an eternal soul. You will live forever. And if you've come face to face with Jesus, if you've accepted Jesus' help of salvation, your soul right now is as right as right can be. But you have a body. See, one day on the other side of eternity, you're going to get a new one. And your new body is going to be perfect and blameless and absolutely amazing. But right now, you have a body that's part of a fallen creation. There's parts of your body that are wonderful and beautiful, but there's parts that are broken. So this body that you've been given, including your brain, has proclivities. And some of those proclivities are broken. And what I want to suggest to you is that Galatians 5 5 expresses it this way. You have a choice... To live your life according to the flesh, this broken body, this broken brain that you received. And when you do that, what you're going to find in your life, there's something inside of you, the path of least resistance in your life. The go with the flow default setting in your life is is going to be to care for yourself more than you care for other people. The well-worn path of your life, the -the go-with-the-flow path of your life, the path of least resistance in your life, will be to care more for you than you do for other people. Self-absorption is the well-worn path of the flesh. And self-absorption and compassion don't go together. There's something inside of you and there's something inside of me if we just go with the flow, we're going to live either consciously or subconsciously this way. My life is more important than your life. My desires are more important than your desires. My comfort is more important than your comfort. My group is more important than your group. My culture is more important than your culture. My socioeconomic class is more important than yours. People who believe in me, believe like me and behave like me are more important than people who believe like you and behave like you. God says the default setting of your life, the go with the flow, the well-worn path of the flesh is self-absorption. But God says you can choose a better way. You can choose compassion. And in order to do that, you've got to walk in the spirit. And he says there's three ways that you can choose to walk in the spirit when it comes to your relationship with other people. Three things you need to stop and three things you need to start. Here's the first thing we need to stop. Number one, we need to stop turning a blind eye. We need to stop turning a blind eye. We need to stop turning a blind eye. Stop pretending that people around you are not hurting. Stop pretending that people around you aren't broken. Stop pretending that people around you aren't lost. Stop turning a blind eye. Stop pretending. Stop saying it's all good. It's not all good. Stop saying live and let live. There's people right now, what their existence looks like is not living. And for you to pretend otherwise is a willful suspension of disbelief. You're doing it on purpose. Stop turning a blind eye. Secondly, God says, stop pointing a judgmental finger stop pointing a judgmental finger when you turn a blind eye you ignore hurting people when you point a finger you blame hurting people see there's something inside of me my default setting walking in the flesh will have me looking at people that are broken hurting and lost and trying to figure out why it's their own fault And here's the crazy thing about living life in this broken world full of broken people. If you try hard enough, you will always be able to find a reason why it's their fault. And there's something that feels good about that because I can look at them and I can say, well, it's their own fault. And that never would have happened to me because I never would have done that. How dare you? You don't know what tomorrow holds. But secondly, if I can blame you for what's going on in your life, then I don't have to help you. And when turning a blind eye is a willful suspension of disbelief, pointing a judgmental finger is a willful suspension of mercy and grace. Let me say that again. Pointing a judgmental finger in your life is a willful suspension of mercy and grace. And that's a really big deal because mercy and grace is at the heart of compassion. And maybe you've heard those two words before, mercy and grace, mercy and grace. And you've kind of thought, oh, it's, It's just the two different ways of saying the same thing. It's actually not. And it's a really important and subtle difference. Mercy and grace are two different things. I'll show you what I mean by telling you a story. So when I was a teenager and a young adult, lots and lots of bad, bad things happened to me. Now, if you would have met me back then, you wouldn't have assumed that you would have thought I was doing just fine. But really, lots of bad things were happening to me. And it would not take would not have taken you very long to prove that every single one of those bad things was my own fault. And one of the low lights for me in those years was when I spent the night in jail. And even as I say, I spent the night in jail, I'm not entirely sure that I spent the night in jail because I don't remember how I got there. I don't remember arriving there. I don't remember sleeping there. I just remember waking up in jail with an officer banging something metal, yelling, wakey, wakey, sleeping beauty. Your mommy is here to pick you up. And it's funny because when I woke up and I looked around and I realized I'm, I'm in jail. A certain kind of person might have stood up and said, excuse me, (laughs) what am I doing here? I have my constitutional rights. You have no right to incarcerate me. Let me out right now. But I didn't do that. You know why? Because I looked around, realized where I was, and thought to myself, yeah, this pretty much makes sense. Wakey, wakey, sleeping beauty. Your mommy's here to pick you. So I get up, and I start to walk away, and I realize that during the night I threw up all over myself. I could tell it cause I could smell it. And because I had clearly been clutching a felt blanket to my face overnight and the throw up had hardened and kind of glued the felt blanket to my face. So I peeled the felt blanket off. I left a felt blanket beard on my face and I followed the officer down this hallway to where my mom was waiting for me. And, and I don't, remember if any words were spoken from her to the officers we just walked out and she didn't say a word to me as we walked towards the car we got in the car and we started driving away and a couple minutes into our drive my mom turned to me and she said i'd like to buy you some new clothes so let's go home you can have a shower and then we'll go to the mall so what i want to tell you is that mercy and grace met in that moment in a volkswagen rabbit So what's mercy? Mercy is when I do not receive the punishment that my behavior deserves. Mercy is when I do not receive the punishment that my behavior deserves. In that moment, my mom would have every right to point a judgmental finger at me and say, we're going home. You're going to get your clothes. You're going to move out of the house. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. And the vast majority of people who knew me and knew her at that time would have said, That's a great choice. You have every right to do that, but she didn't. She didn't give me the punishment that my behavior deserved. Does that make sense? That's mercy. What grace is, is grace is when I do receive the blessing that my behavior doesn't deserve. When I do receive a blessing that my behavior doesn't deserve, my mom says to me, hey, in response to you going to jail overnight, we're going to buy you some new clothes at the mall. That's grace. Mercy. I don't receive the punishment that my behavior warranted grace. I do receive the blessing that my behavior did not warrant. It's amazing. Mercy and grace, mercy and grace, mercy and grace, because Jesus Christ is the author of mercy and grace. Jesus Christ stepped into human history and he died on a cross. And when he died on that cross, he took all the punishment that all of my sins and all of your sins deserve. Romans 6, 23 says this, that the wages of sin is death. He took all that death on him that day on the cross. That's mercy. He took our punishment so we didn't have to endure it. But in his grace, he rose again. And because he died, we live not just any life, but an abundant life. A life of hope, a life of joy, a life of strength, a life of adventure, a life of eternity, a life of everlasting happiness. That's it. So he took my punishment. He took the punishment that my sins deserved. And he gave me a life that my behavior never deserved. That's grace. And it's amazing because if you call yourself a Christian, you should probably know that the word Christian Christian means little Christ, little Christ. You are a follower of Jesus. And that means Jesus is the author of mercy and grace. You and me need to be defined by mercy and grace. We can't withhold it. You say, well, that person doesn't deserve mercy and grace. That's the point. If you deserve it, it's not mercy and it's not grace. Does that make sense? God says, stop doing that. Stop turning a blind eye. Stop pointing a judgmental finger. And thirdly, stop raising a clenched fist. Stop with the enmity. Stop with the gossip. Stop with the malicious talk. Stop with the hatred. Stop with the political posturing. Stop it. See, if turning a blind eye means I ignore hurting people, And pointing a finger means I blame hurting people. Raising a clenched fist means I enjoy hurting people. It's a willful suspension of love. I choose hate over love. And I look at you and I wish you ill. And the problem with that is we look at that and go, oh, that's really extreme. Except we don't, do we? Because we all know that deep down inside, there's a temptation inside of you. There's a temptation inside of me to think that way. Says, stop doing that. You weren't meant to walk around in your life with clenched fists. That's living life in the flesh. That's the path of least resistance. That's the well-worn path of self-absorption. There's a better way. You now it's funny because I remember in high school there was this poem that we studied called The Road Less Traveled, written by Robert Frost. I love it. And it talks about making a choice between a well-worn path and a road less traveled. And he says at one point, he was faced with his fork in the road and he made the decision. I'm going to take the road less traveled. And that has made all the difference. That has made all the difference. And I think about that all the time. And I think for you and me, we face that fork in the road over and over again every day. And for, for so often, it's this. It's this choice between self-absorption or compassion. God says you really can not choose. You don't have to live life In the flesh, you can walk in the spirit. You can walk in the spirit. The Holy spirit of God wants to make you different. Wants to make you a little Christ, a person of compassion. So God says there's three things that you can start doing instead of turning a blind eye. Here's what you do instead. Open your eyes and look for the lost. Open your eyes and look for the lost over the last five years, psychologists, have started talking about this phenomenon called compassion fatigue, compassion fatigue. And the way it works is this, that we are so inundated in our culture right now with so many sources of bad news and so many sources of suffering that after a while we, we get to a point in our culture where we're just like, I, 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 I can't handle it anymore. Like I can't care about this stuff anymore. And, And we become almost incapable of compassion because we look around and we say, look, if I can't fix everything, I'm not going to fix anything. If I can't help everyone, I'm not going to help anyone. But God says, no, no, no. You need to look for the lost. You don't have to fix everything, but you do get to do something. You, You don't have to help everyone, but you get to help someone. Compassion isn't fixing everything. It's doing something. Compassion isn't helping everyone. It's helping someone. Mother Teresa said it this way. She said, if you want to change the world, if you want to change the world, if you want to change the world, here's how you start. Go home and love your family. That's a great start. Look at your family. No, but I mean really look. How are they doing? Are they hurting? Who's hurting? Why? How can you help? And then trust God that he's going to put people in your life at the right moment, and you're going to know, this is my opportunity. This is the person that you've placed in front of me today, God. I can't help everyone, but I can help this person. So start doing this. Start opening your eyes and looking for the lost. Secondly, instead of pointing a judgmental finger, lend a helping hand. In other words, instead of withholding mercy and grace, extend it, extend it, extend it. Be a little Christ, be a follower of Jesus, extend mercy and grace. May mercy and grace define you. May it become part of who you are, mercy and grace. And that doesn't mean, by the way, listen, what that doesn't mean is throwing money around indiscriminately so that you feel better. No, it's about asking God for wisdom. God, who are the people that you've placed in front of me? And what are the opportunities that you've given me to make the greatest impact to to show the greatest amount of mercy and the greatest amount of grace that I can? And that's why I, I love the way that God has given Southside Church so many strategic partners. I love that strategic partners. The city of Chilliwack. The Abbotsford Oncology Unit. The Chilliwack Maternity Ward. The Pregnancy Care Center. The Chehalis School. Sardis Doorway. And Fonsiped, down in Mirabelle, Haiti, that h- helps us administer the free school where just about 550 students are getting a free education and a free meal every day. Strategic partnerships. Insta- look at, instead of asking this question, who can I blame, walking around in your life asking this question, how can I help? Not everyone, but someone. God says, there's a better way. You don't have to take the well-worn path. You can follow the road less traveled. You can walk in the spirit. You can be a person of compassion. One more thing you need to start doing. Instead of raising a clenched fist, put down your weapon and pick up your Bible. Instead of raising a clenched fist, put down your weapon and pick up the Bible. And when you pick up that Bible, open it to the gospel of Matthew chapter five, the most famous sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount preached by Jesus. Matthew chapter five, verse 44. Jesus says, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Wow. Maybe you've heard that verse before, but man, have you ever really thought about it? See, sometimes when I hear it, I think we get scared. We're like, well, does God want me to put me and my loved ones in a place where someone can really, really hurt us? No, no, no. You you just need to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Maybe you'll love them from a distance. Maybe you'll pray for them from a distance. And as you pray for them, you're gonna learn to love them more. And you're gonna release your bitterness. Because when you become a bitter person who lives life in this posture of a clenched fist, what happens to you is you become a person who so easily turns a blind eye points a judgmental finger and raises a clenched fist again and again and again and that's no way to live that's the well-worn path that's self-absorption that's life in the flesh that's no way to live the road less traveled says this love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you don't be bitter let it go and then what and then what, what what happens when we live a life of compassion? Well, it says here, right in Isaiah 50, 58, one thing, your light will shine. That's an amazing thought, your light will shine. In other words, you won't even have to lecture someone about Jesus. You won't even have to preach to someone about Jesus. You won't even have to sing songs about Jesus. Your life will display him. Now, we should sing, we should preach, I hope, but your life will display him your light will shine. It reminds me of a few months ago as, as a church, we came together and we, uh, we put on something called the wonder drive-through, the wonder drive-through tens of thousands of Christmas lights, thousands and thousands of volunteer hours. We set up this incredible light show in our new facility in the parking lot and we were all ready to go. And then the trees fell down. So we came back and we set the trees back up again and then they fell down and then we came back and we set them up and then they fell down again and Dave Poole cried and then we set them up again and then the cars came through, 12,000 people came through and honestly I want to tell you something, I was happy to do that, I thought hey if we can bring a little bit of light to the people at Chilliwack this Christmas that would be kind of neat. I had no idea what kind of impact it was going to make. Like not many days go by when I don't have somebody bring it up to me. Thank you for doing that. All we did was just set up some lights. But we did it with a heart of compassion. Do you understand? I had a guy come to me a few weeks ago. Young guy, about 28 years old. Maybe that doesn't seem young to you. It seems young to me, okay? So anyways, 28 years old. And he says, man, I I, I have written off church in my life. I want nothing to do with church. But he said, the last little while, I don't know why, but I've been asking myself, but if, if I was to get involved in a church, what would that church look like? And he says to me, "Uh, I've been watching your church and I figured it out. That's what it would look like. Your light will shine when you live a life of compassion. Number two, your fear will subside. That's good news. Your fear will subside. We live in a very, very, very fearful culture. And I know there's a lot of reasons for that. But I think part of it is that we're all so self absorbed. Or we have a temptation to be so self absorbed, at least. And, and when you give in to that propensity, that, that thought that says, man, I matter more than you. Well, then whether you realize it or not spiritually speaking, listen to this, whether you realize it or not spiritually speaking, you start to look down on everybody and everything else. You start to look down. But where does our help come from? We're not going to find our help by looking down. We need to look up. And understand that even though the world seems out of control, there is a God who is completely and totally in control and know it won't always be comfortable and it won't always be easy for me and mine and me and mine and me and my, but he's got a plan and part of that plan is every day I get to wake up and say, Hey, how can I help? How can I help? So God says your light will shine. Your fear will subside. And finally your direction will be made clear. That's great news. And I think the last two years at Southside are such a great example. Everything seemed to be breaking apart around us, but those three H's kept guiding us. There's a lot that we don't know, but here's what we do know. We want to bring help, hope, and home. We want to bring help, hope, and home. We want to be people of mercy and grace and love and compassion. We don't know everything, but we know that, and every day we wake up and say, let that guide me today, God. May I be a little Christ. May I be a Christian today. The road less Traveled, walk in the Spirit, live a life of compassion. So that's pretty much the end of the sermon. But I do have a postscript. So that was called PS postscript. I have a postscript for you. I just want to ask you a question Do you regret it? Do you regret it? Take a moment and look back at your life. Those moments that you displayed mercy and grace. And compassion do you regret it I bet you don't in fact I bet when you look back at those moments of your life when you when you lived along the road less traveled the life of compassion I bet those are some of the greatest memories that you have in your life I know it's true for me I look back to when I was just a baby Christian There was so much I didn't know, but I knew that I was supposed to be a teacher. And I knew the reason that I was supposed to be a teacher is because I was supposed to help people. And I didn't help everybody, but I still remember those students that I taught and those kids that I coached. I remember the ones that I did help and I don't regret one second of it. And I bet neither do you. I remember when Corinne and I made a decision that we were going to be parents we were compassionate parents, that we were going to try not perfect, but we were going to try our best to lead with mercy and grace and love. And I don't regret it. I remember when we adopted our two youngest sons from Haiti, that wasn't always easy. It wasn't always cheap, but oh my goodness, I don't regret that for one second. And sometimes I think about the fact that we get to be involved in such a compassionate compassionate church, a church of mercy and grace and love, and I don't regret that. And that's what I want to tell you again. Next week, we're going to talk about the fourth C commitment and make a plan to be here. It's going to be a story that you won't forget, and it's going to be an opportunity for us to just stand together and say, hey, 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 this is the path of least resistance. We're taking the road less traveled. I was sitting in my office writing this essay and I looked out the window, which kind of brings to mind, I spent the last seven years of my life uh, working out of an office with no windows. It was kind of like working in a storage container. So I'm going to give you a pro tip. Don't do that. Okay. Don't, don't, don't work in an office for seven years without a window, but I have beautiful, huge windows now. And I was writing this sermon and I looked out the window and I saw the beautiful sky with the mountains in the background. I can't believe where we live. It's just insane. But anyways, I digress. I looked out my window, I saw the sky and the mountains, and I thought about you. And I felt compassion. <clears throat> because I don't want you to settle for the well-worn path. I don't. I don't want you to settle for the path of least resistance. The path that promises if I, if I just grab onto me and mine and me and mine and me and mine, everything's going to be okay, but it's not going to be okay. I want you to be a person of compassion. I want you to take the road less traveled and to live a life of joy and strength and purpose and legacy that you will only, only, only ever find when you choose to take the road less traveled that will make all the difference and as i close today i want to bring us back a little bit to the author of mercy and grace mercy and grace comes from god's son jesus christ and jesus stepped into human history and he died on a cross so that we could get past our past and i guess for me i want to give you that opportunity right now To put all your sin and all your shame and all your regret and all your baggage down at the foot of the cross and move on. Fresh start, new beginning, clear slate today. That's how merciful he is, but he's also full of grace. Because he wants wants you to know that not only can you put down your past and be saved and be forgiven, but you can also step into a future of life where he's going to give you the strength and power and hope and purpose that you have been longing for. So, man, if you've never taken that opportunity to accept the mercy and grace of God's Son, Jesus Christ, I want to give you the chance to do that right now. Wherever you are, however you're listening, whenever you're listening, I would just ask you, hey, I'm going to pray out loud wherever you are. Why don't you just pray right along with me? So, dear God, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus. Thank you that you are our loving Heavenly Father and you would spare no expense to see us saved. Jesus, thank you for your mercy that you died, you took the punishment of my sin on your shoulders. Thank you. Please forgive me. Thank you for the clean slate and a new beginning. And Jesus, thank you for your grace that when you rose again, you invite me to follow you into a life worth living today, tomorrow, and forever. I accept your grace. I don't deserve it, but that's the point. It's grace. And I thank you so much for it. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I am so excited. Can you just take a moment to text the keyword life? L-I-F-E. I I was just doing life there. That was me. Okay, 604-670-3040. L-I-F-E. We're not going to stalk you. We just want to support you. And for everybody else, thank you. I love walking this path with you down the road less traveled, it's such an honor. And I wanna ask you again, make it a priority. Let's come together next week. Let's end this two-year expanded vision called more. Let's end it like Southside does everything. Let's end it with a flourish. And one more thing. When I tell you that Southside is putting on an event, I think we've already come to realize it's going to be amazing. So please mark your calendars. Saturday, May 8th, we're gonna have a Mother's Day party here at the Southside church at the new facility. We want you, we want to invite you to come on by. There's going to be family pictures that are going to be amazing. There's going to be gifts for mom, treats for the whole family. We're going to absolutely blow this thing up. It's going to be incredible. Tell everybody you know, Hey, it's just one little way that we can extend a little bit of compassion to our city in what's been a difficult year. And especially, it's always good to show love to the moms. See you next week.